This is Digital Marketing Fastlane. This podcast will show you how to build, launch, grow, and scale a widely successful online business. Listen to real conversations with proven practical strategies and success stories. You're going to learn how to generate more traffic, more sales, more profit, and customer lifetime value for your online store. Coming to you from the online marketing experts at Boy Media, here's your host, Kevin Urrutia. Hey, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm here with Eric, and we also have a special guest today, Savannah Sanchez from The Social Savannah. Hey, Savannah, how are you doing today? Hey, it's going all right. How about you guys? Good, good. Yeah, it's um, good to hear. So yeah, I mean, Savannah, you've been advertising for years. Can you just give our listeners sort of a little bit of background about yourself and maybe some of the brands that you've worked with? Yeah, for sure. So right now I am a social media marketing freelancer. So I do e-commerce ads as well as the ad creatives for a handful of e-commerce brands. So before I was freelance, I worked at a large advertising agency here in Orange County where I led the Facebook media buying teams and Snapchat media buying teams for two years. Mm. So I was able to work on some large accounts like ColourPop, Snow Teeth Whitening, APL Shoes, And so once I made that transition to freelance just this December, so it's only been a few months now, um, now I have around five or six brands where I do their Facebook ads, Google ads, Snapchat ads, and ad creative. So it's, it's been a really great time. Those are really good brands. So that sounds really cool. So one of the things that, you know, our team, you know, obviously your Twitter account is very active. I think my whole team, I think Kevin, you're in your Facebook group. Oh, awesome. Um, Yeah. One of the reasons we like to follow you is because you post a lot about creatives and the power of creatives. So one of the questions our team definitely wants to know is how do you find really good ad inspiration? Uh, Where do you learn creative or psychology? How do you think about ad copy? Yeah. So maybe just start, how do you find good ad inspiration? Yeah, that's such a great question. And it's honestly thing I'm most passionate about talking about. So if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, that's social underscore Savannah um, to see my creative tweets. Um, And then I also, like you mentioned, have that Facebook group. So I started a Facebook group a couple months ago um, just for like some friends in the industry and I to start sharing ad inspiration because it is difficult to find inspiration when you're only served like a certain amount of brands ads. So it's usually the brands where you've added something to cart or you're right in that target demographic. But let's just say like I'm a female and I wanted to get like ads that males are being targeted to. Like I would never get served those. And if I want to be able to see like how those brands are marketing to target audiences that are outside myself. So that's why I started the Facebook group called Facebook ad creatives only totally free to join if anyone wants to hop in there. And now it's over the last three months, it's grown to around 2,500 people and we're really um, on top of like the moderation to make sure that the ads are always really great quality mm-hmm. that's in there. So every day there's like 10 new posts of like really great ad creatives. So going through that group is the best inspiration. Also you can, um, I have like some Instagram DM groups. So what I would recommend doing, if you just even get a group of like your friends together or people that work with you and start DMing each other, great ads that you see. And that's also been a really great way to get exposure to um, what other brands are doing. And then lastly, probably most obviously is the ad creative library. So in the ad creative library on Facebook, you can stock any brand that you're interested in to see what ads they're running. So I think that's been 
a huge value add in terms of um, being able to get inspiration for ad creatives. That's awesome. It kind of goes back exactly what you said, where like for us, for example, I see a lot of like men ads and then we have people on our team. We have a, we also have like a, our boy media uh, Instagram group and Facebook group where we also do exactly what you said, where we share Instagram ads that we like. And then we also have females on our team that share ads for like jewelry, like underwear, bras, all that stuff. And exactly said, like, I would never see that ad, but then yeah. they are. So it's also, yeah, it's great for them to show it to us because we can see what females are, what creatives are getting. So exactly what you yeah. said. For sure. And it's easy to do. I mean, even just like getting a couple friends together that are also interested in digital marketing and say, like, hey, like, let's, let's share to each other some ads that we're seeing throughout the week. Um, I've surprisingly have had more people interested in doing it than I originally thought. I usually, I initially just thought it'd be like a group of like five friends and I sharing ads. And clearly there's a lot of interest in learning about best forming ad creatives. So it should be easy for those listening at home um, to either join a group like mine or um, start sharing with like their friends and their coworkers. Mm -hmm. Nice. That's awesome. And then do you have any other processes um, at learning about consumer psychology or advertising um, in general, these broader marketing principles? Yeah, so I do have like an education like in marketing and business. I have my MBA, my master's in business administration where I focused mm. on marketing. So I definitely bring a lot of that experience with me with when I do my ad creatives and advertising. So that has definitely helped. But I think it all comes back to just like putting yourself in the consumer's shoes. Like why would someone want to buy? What makes your product different than anyone else's creatives? Like when you think about Facebook ads, like it's a new medium for sure. And it's, it's definitely something that's evolving all the time and very new in terms of like Instagram stories and how to communicate on there. But I would mm -hmm. say that the basic marketing principles go back to how they've always been. It's like, what's the value add? What are your value props? how your price is differentiated, how you can add value to the person's life. Like none of that has ever changed even when people were advertising on magazines and on TV. So oh, yeah. in principle, it's just new medium is how I see it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's definitely a trend we see. Like the more unique an offer or a brand is, um, like a truly unique brand, if they actually invented their product, especially. Totally. The advertising is super easy. You just be very clear about what it is. You, no frills, yep. uh, nothing fancy. Yeah, we see the click-through rates and the conversion rates shoot way up because of that. Yeah, so just yeah, definitely a good makes product. a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just an awesome product, something completely unique. It makes yeah. a lot of sense. Well, I have another question. Savannah, because you were saying that you have your MBA. Do you feel like your MBA helps you with like working with some of these business owners that maybe not as, you know, business savvy or finance savvy? Do you think that that skill sort of helps you out in that way? Yeah, definitely. I think something that I do and what I see some other like, agencies doing is like the first thing you do mm -hmm. is like try to figure out the product economics. Like mm -hmm. you need to know what your targets are on Facebook in order to be profitable and like your payback periods, LTV, like these seem like questions that, that business owners would know like, off the top of their head. But every single time I'm very surprised that most business owners don't really even understand like their own unit economics. So mm -hmm. I think it's really important either if you're a business owner listening or a media buyer, before you start signing on Facebook, like having those targets of like, what should your CPA be? Um, like, what can you afford to spend this month in terms of like your other cash flow coming in? Because if you just spend blindly, like it's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's something, sometimes we work with brand owners. Yeah, we totally see that. 
knowing their metrics is like the most important part, especially in our onboarding process, getting those metrics clear. That's yes. one of our top priorities. <laughs> For sure. We see that all the time. And it's sort of like, it's funny you said that because I was just talking to lead just now and he was just asking me like, how do I know how much money to spend on Facebook or even how do I know if I'm making money? And I have to like mm-hmm. explain to him like, if you want to sell your product for this cost, your cost of goods around 20, you think about shipping as like another five to $10 and you have yep. a 70, like a 80, $60 profit margin and you want to sell for 30, then, you know, that's sort of how you can figure out maybe what your ROAS or return on ad spend should be. But it's kind of crazy. Like you said, like a lot of people just don't even know what that means. And us as like yes. media buyers <laughs> and like people that help them, we need to sort of realize that, you know, their margins aren't as good as sometimes they think it is. So definitely it's, it's it can tough. vary so yeah. much between products too. And another thing I would say a mistake I often see is that brands think that they can only spend a certain amount to be profitable. But something I can show them is like, Hey, if we actually spent double and if our ROAS decreased by 10%, you would actually be way more profitable than if you spent half this month, that amount mm-hmm. at a higher ROAS. So like being able to map out at different levels of spend, even with declining return, you can still be more profitable at higher levels of spend um, and more scale. I think that's a problem that a lot of business owners are still trying to wrap their head around and good media buyers are able to navigate them through that. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's definitely something we see, especially as you scale, you do see ROAS go down sometimes. So that's definitely important to mention. Yes, for sure. So in terms of creative styles, maybe now we're thinking of when you're getting some inspiration, let's say if I'm a brand owner, um, I'm trying to think of ways to improve my creative testing. What are some must try creative styles for brands that like something like um, what kind of video types or image types or new stuff or user generated? What would you recommend people try in the beginning? Yeah, I, I would say my favorite ad type of all time and will be for the foreseeable future is user generated content. Mm-hmm. I think that's been a huge buzz over the last six months. And I think it all goes back to like showing real people using the product, what they enjoy about it and showing that it was like an investment. I think that this kind of comes back to like consumers, especially on Facebook and Instagram are very skeptical about the products they see. They've mm-hmm. been burned a lot probably by crap drop shipping products and um, like having these expectations that the product's going to work and they get it. That's a piece of crap. Like that's kind of already in the consumer's mind. It's like being very skeptical. So what really helps is if in your ad creatives, you can show real people, not celebrities, but just normal people, a group of people talking about the product that it's actually legit. Here's what it looked like. Here's what the unboxing experience was. Here's my favorite things about it. Nice. So that when the person watching the ad, they have that confidence of like, I'm not going to buy something and then receive it and feel duped. So I think that's why mm. UGC works so well. Nice. And then for you, what do you usually recommend brands do like for UGC content? I know for us, we try to tell brands that, hey, if like if you if possible, just email your clients or your current customers that if they can do like a quick, you know, 30 second video with the product. Um, but sometimes with newer brands, they don't really have it. And other times you just tell them like, give it away for friends or give it away for people that you know, and just sort of record them using it. What are some strategies that you use with your current partners to, you know, get this UGC content? Yeah. So I would say the best way, if you do have that existing customer base is to reach out to like those high value customers, the people who have repeat purchased, I've spent a lot with you guys mm-hmm. and be like, Hey, like we, we saw you love our products. We would love to feature you in our next ad campaign. Here's a, some value props. Here's a, a potential script you can even follow. We need a 10 second like Instagram style video 
of you talking about the product. So emailing your like already customers who already mm -hmm. love your brand, like that's number one. I would say the best next strategy, which I utilize a lot, and I'm actually going to coin a new term. It's called FUGC, fake UGC. <laughs> oh. FUGC, uh, new, new term of the day. So what FUGC is, is it's essentially just either giving the product to an actress or an influencer or your friends, giving them the script of what you want them to say and having them film it. So this is essentially just either you knowing people that are confident on camera or hiring those people to film a short segment of them talking about your product. So I have filmed a lot of FUGC in my lifetime. I've probably filmed over like 100 different products of me talking about why I love it so much. Can't say I've loved all of them as much as I claim to. But I think it's really important for ad creatives to get people who are confident in front of the camera. Sometimes if you just ask your customers for UGC, it's not going to turn out how you want it to and mm. the quality is going to be really bad. Like the best UGC we usually get is like in a studio where it's like faked. So Fuji <laughs> No, no, that makes sense. Yeah, because even for us, we were working with like a skincare product last year for like men's kind of like a men's facial mask and we needed UGC content and <clears throat> there was a brand new brand. They didn't have anything. So what we did is we just went on Craigslist and found some actors that would be able to just give us exactly what you said, some UGC content. I love that. Yeah. And then they Craigslist. came to, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Craigslist is a great place to find people. I mean, we're in New York city. Everybody here is an actor. So oh, it's like, that's amazing. Yeah, so we brought them into our studio, which is our office. And we just recorded the content with like, you know, a lighting and then an iPhone camera and just said, give them the script to, to read with like a teleprompter and it looked great. And we made it the that's way genius. we wanted to. I love that. I would love to see that ad after if you get that into me. Okay. Yeah. I'll show you what we did. Yeah. We have like, we have so many scripts and the thing is like, they were in our, we only paid them for like one hour. It was like what, 50 to $75 an hour. We're just like, oh, yeah, come for two hours and just record all this content for us. Oh, that's, that's yeah. so worth it. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, exactly. It's like, there's so many creative ways to do it. And I think people sometimes think about like, oh my God, I got over to Instagram, but like Craigslist, exactly what you said. It's like, there's so many people on there that just want a paid gig. So just do something, yeah. yeah. Like, a, like a commercial, except it's on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what about putting like um, uh, incentives in the packaging insert or something, instructions, uh, send this style of video and instructions, oh, it has to be like uh, whatever, say certain things about it and, with, and you incentivize them with their percentage off or something. I've seen a lot of brands do that. Some of the brands we work with who have the best constant flows of UGC. A lot of times it's organic just because it's an awesome brand, but they very specific about what they would like to see if you want to do a review and then they have an incentive. And what I like about that is it kind of influences uh, repeat purchase and repeat business as well. So you're getting sure. content, you're getting retention. So yeah, that's another way. But yeah, these are all really good ideas. No, I love that. That's awesome. So other than UGC, um, let's say you suggest any other like still image styles or video types. I know there's a lot of debate on what's good in a video, the structure of a video. How, would, how do you like to structure uh, video ads? Yeah, I mean, for every account, like I've, I've worked on like 50 plus ad accounts at the agency and we tried so often to try and find like correlation data points between like creative types, like our images best, like 15 second videos, one minute videos. Every single time we found it was very account specific. So mm -hmm. there's not really like any golden rules to say that images are better than videos, short is better mm -hmm. than long. 
UGC is better than lifestyle. Like there's, I got anecdotally say that like UGC works best, but Mm -hmm. there's accounts where it doesn't work at all. So with that said, I would say that it's important to test a variety of creative types in your account. So mm-hmm. look, for example, if I have a new client and I'm launching them, like what's really important when I work with my designer on the launch assets is to test a lot of variety. So we'll test mm-hmm. stills, we'll start, we'll test short videos, long videos, PR ads, um, lifestyle imagery, products on white. Like we really try to test a very broad amount of creatives. And then what we'll do is once we do the launch campaign, We'll pretty quickly see like which ones are completely not worth doing again and which ones maybe um, are like getting some purchases, standing out, and then we're like, oh, like lifestyle videos that are 10 seconds seem to be working. Let's make a couple variations of that. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it's just reiterating it each week and making videos that are similar to the ones that are performing the best. So, Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. That's really cool. Kind of on that topic, I guess, so you, like you said, if you're just starting out with a brand, um, those are the creative styles you think about. How do you think about the creative styles? How do you think about angles and personas, stuff like that? How does that play into your initial creative process? That's such a great question. I think it's something that not enough brands or like media buyers consider. There's like the copywriting, like the messaging strategies. So I would say also test broadly with those. Like for each ad like type, so I'll just say it's like a PR ad versus like a lifestyle video. Like I'll also try to test like very different copy and like test very different problems that we're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. So with along with like the creative testing of trying a bunch of different angles that way, like we're also like rapidly trying to make new copy variations that are hitting on different mm-hmm. angles. And then mm-hmm. we can quickly see like, oh, people are really resonated when we said like this headline versus that. So it's all about testing. And um, what's great about Facebook and why I love it so much is that the data comes back really quickly. So mm-hmm. after a week of running 10 different headlines, you can pretty quickly see like, okay, this one is the clear winner. And then these ones aren't worth trying again in this format. So mm-hmm. that's the best part. You can kind of just throw a lot at the wall and see what sticks and then um, get more strategic from there. Makes a lot of sense. So kind of for your copywriting, like for you guys as like a media buyers and, and like account, how, how closely do the copywriters sort of dictate like what angles or personas are going to be the, for the copies going to be about like, do you guys ever do like persona mapping for, for the brands you work with? How does that sort of work? Or is it like, do you guys have a list of like, you know, fear, happiness, sort of angles that you go for? How, how does that, how do you guys think about copywriting there? And to be completely honest, like I don't think I've been very sophisticated with my copywriting process. It sounds like you guys are probably doing it in much more sophisticated way than I am, which is giving me a lot of inspiration. So, I mean, I write all the copy for my clients and, usually it's just like hitting on like the main value props. Like mm-hmm. What are some questions we can answer? I would say it's, it's more of an initiative process than anything that mm-hmm. I think structured, but I would say one thing that's worked really well for me is just keeping it short and sweet, mm-hmm. especially now with Facebook, like only limits um, on mobile, like copy top text, like the first like, two lines. Mm-hmm. So I would say more than anything, I'm just trying to be really clear. So mm-hmm. what's the problem? What am I solving? And then really doing the explaining on like the landing page and the website, like that's where Hmm. people are learning about um, all the different features and why it's an add so much value to your life. I would say when I'm doing copy testing, I'm more just trying to be clear and like get them intrigued enough to click to the website, which will do most of the heavy lifting for me. So that would be good advice I would come out with is just Mm -hmm. keep it simple, 
people aren't people aren't going to read your paragraph. Just just get them to the website and make it clear what you're selling. Yeah, I think it's important to just clearly show the benefit and then have your landing page show those benefits about why they should get that product or why they need it versus like something super fluffy that they don't really yeah. know what what's about and just like going to be a waste of a click essentially. For sure. Nice. And how do you change, how do you adapt to uh, different marketing channels? I think you talked about TikTok in the past, but definitely Snapchat. How do you differentiate if you're making ads for Snapchat versus Facebook? Yeah. So with Snapchat, it's a vertical format. So it's similar mm-hmm. to Instagram stories, 15 seconds or less, um, very short form videos. Um, also leveraging a lot of UGC for that. But yeah, that makes Snapchat, sense. Yeah. But I typically make on like IG stories. I'll also test on Snapchat ads. Okay. But there's also a few different ad types within Snapchat that are like completely different. Like you can buy a discover tile and have like a long form video. Like once people click on the discover tile, mm-hmm. if you guys have Snapchat, you'll know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. So there are some creatives that are specific to the platform, but I'm especially excited about Snapchat. I've seen really great results on there for my clients. Mm-hmm. Um, on Snapchat ads, there's not nearly as much competition, um, really cheap CPMs, and there's a lot of people who are converting from Snapchat. So I'm really pushing my clients um, either to test it or to double down on, on their Snapchat strategy. Nice. Do you notice any differences in like the quality of the traffic? You said they convert, but do you, have you ever run like a test where you have like something similar, Facebook, and then something similar on Snapchat, maybe compare conversion rates on the ads? Yeah, definitely. So especially if we're running the same creatives, mm-hmm. typically on Snapchat, we'll see like much higher traffic and lower conversion rate. So mm-hmm. I don't know, that's just like anecdotally, but because we're driving so much more traffic, like sometimes like the math works out where even though we're taking a lower conversion rate, because we're able to get um, way more views and way more people to the site so much cheaper than Facebook, CPMs are sometimes like a tenth the price then the math works out with the conversion rate being lower. So I would say on Snapchat, it's definitely product specific. Like if you have a product that can be targeted to the 13 and 25 year old age group, that's really where the gold mine is and Mm -hmm. also lower AOV products. So under $50 impulse buys, like that's a lot of people who purchase on Snapchat are like swiping up and purchasing right then. Like it's a very short consideration window because once they swipe past the ad or if they like leave your website, like they, they typically don't come back. So very much impulse purchases. Yeah. Cause like we do some Snapchat ads for a client too. That's like the perfect audience. It's in the gaming space and that audience mm-hmm. 13 plus just perfectly makes sense with what you're saying. It's the items are just like you buy coins for their game. So it's like low cost and mm. It just totally makes sense. Like they're just getting so many signups and more subscribers on on Snapchat, and we're pushing that budget there with new creatives nice. and and kind of what you said. I'm not sure if you mentioned it, but like our creatives on Snapchat could be a lot more edgy than Facebook. So yeah, that sure. also looks I better. love yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some of the things that would might get flagged, even even if it's just an error or something, because Facebook's algorithm. You know, we ran some ads that you can be a little more. You, we use a lot of humor. We use a lot of. Um, I guess edgy is a better word for it. Um, we find that's great in all creatives, by the way, if you obviously do it tastefully, we have a whole podcast episode about controversy in ads, but um, mm. Snapchat was so much fun to do these crazy ads with because we saw the, the swipe up rates, I guess, not click through rates, but the swipe up rates were really, really high uh, compared yeah. to Facebook, um, even if the ads were similar, but 
you know, especially you can get a little more controversial. One thing I noted, we did Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat side by side for this esports brand. Um, we got a lot of top funnel traffic. Did you ever notice your retargeting on Facebook changed at all as you're getting more cheap, but possibly lower converting Snapchat traffic? Yeah, so I actually like to run larger, if it makes sense for the brand, running mm-hmm. more retargeting budget on Snapchat than I do on Facebook, just because if you compare CPMs between like your retargeting campaign on Snapchat versus mm-hmm. Facebook, and also compare the reach that you're getting, you can reach like pretty much the same people, same amount of reach, but like at like a fraction of the CPMs. Nice. So really effective for retargeting or even just like keeping top of mind with your existing customers just to like have Mm -hmm. like an evergreen existing customers campaign running on snapchat Mm -hmm. just so they especially if you're trying to get like um, ltv and repeat purchases much cheaper to like hit them again on snapchat and through like your own channels like email than trying to just reach out to them on facebook ad every time so Mm -hmm. It's not to say that I would ever turn off Facebook and Instagram for retargeting because not everybody has a Snapchat account or uses Snapchat regularly. Mm-hmm. So it's very product specific, market specific. Um, some brands are going to have much more Snapchat users on their website than others. But if you do have a, even a portion of your traffic that has a Snapchat account and uses it regularly, it's worth it to have like an evergreen Snapchat retargeting campaign running just to take advantage of getting in front of those customers really cheaply. So I don't know if you guys have seen similar trends on your end. The, the CPMs are definitely that cost down. And I do see some higher CPMs in Facebook retargeting. So that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah. Cause there's a small, like the smaller the audience on Facebook, like if you're retargeting mm-hmm. pool for the last 30 days traffic is like 2000 people or even 10,000 people, the smaller, the more niche it is, like you're going to pay that premium. Versus mm-hmm. like a broad audience on Facebook where you can probably get CPMs for like $3. But typically for like retargeting campaigns on Facebook, I'll see CPMs for like between $15 and $25. Mm-hmm. Where on Snapchat, I'll see it for $0.50. Cents. So it's like, yeah. it's really smart to um, have Snapchat running if it makes sense for your brand. One thing I do want to mention, and I can give you the link um, to give to your um, podcast listeners is I do have a $1,000 Snapchat coupon code that I can share with people. Yeah, so um, for either you guys or people listening, we'll provide the link to that so that if you guys want to try Snapchat ads, you can get that $1,000 coupon. Yeah, that's that's a great offer. Yeah, I think like a lot of brands... I think you you know the power of Snapchat. If it makes sense for your brand, Snapchat is just a great way to compete with like a, just get a different type of audience, and it's so much cheaper. And yeah. exactly what we said, we tell people like you need to be utilizing these other channels because Facebook's obviously Facebook's Facebook, and it's always going to be there. But there's so many other platforms besides Facebook that people are on, especially right now where people are just home all day. For oh sure. yeah, this is the best time to try Snapchat, probably. Oh, it's been insane. Like I was just comparing CPMs from last month to this month on one of my Snapchat accounts and they're a third of the price. Wow. It was 15 cents last month. Now it's five cents. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of like ridiculous. Wow. And then ROAS was like a one to a 1.5 last month. Like it was a really tough month for us. Now we're above a 2X and spending like double the amount. So yeah, Snapchat's like this gold mine that <laughs> I love talking about. If it mm-hmm. makes sense for like the 13, 25 year old age group, like you have to be on Snapchat. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yeah, yeah. That being said, what about you see, I've seen a lot of happening about TikTok. So we tried to advertise on TikTok, definitely a lot of organic 
on TikTok is really good. I think their organic algorithm is really interesting. But have you been advertising with TikTok? So I haven't had access to the beta in order to test it out. I think mm-hmm. talking to people who have advertised on TikTok, they said like the conversion tracking is still really wonky. Like it's not something that they're like doubling down on yet for like smaller brands. Mm-hmm. I think it makes sense for like the larger, like, like Bumbles of the world and like Coach, like those people mm-hmm. who um, have like massive media budgets mm-hmm. um, to get awareness on TikTok. I think that makes a lot of sense right now. But in terms of like direct to consumer for brands that don't have an unlimited marketing budget, we're just mostly focusing on Facebook, Instagram, Google, Snap, YouTube. I kind of, I've been hesitant to add TikTok to the mix after like the feedback I've been hearing. Mm-hmm. Understood. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially if Snapchat and Facebook are good. And especially yeah. there's so much to explore on Snapchat, just use the ad budget in something like Snapchat or more Facebook creatives. That makes That's a lot of sense. Too. Yeah. A little more about maybe technical video stuff. So when we make videos in general, obviously test images, videos, whatever. Um, but videos we find on at least more than half the counts, videos are a really good way to get a lot of people interested. Of course, the video view audience, uh, you can build a little more middle funnel retargeting audiences with it. Uh, what do you suggest when making a video? What kind of the structures of a video? How do you structure a video? Uh, how do you think about it? Maybe like a hook or the middle of it. Uh, can you walk us through your process there? Yeah, so I think there's definitely some best practices like when I'm working with my ad designer um, that we try to follow. So number one being, you have to know what the product is in the first two seconds. So mm. especially for like Instagram story and Snapchat ads, like you don't have time to like ramp up with your storyline of someone walking through the door and like looking across the room. Like mm-hmm. people aren't, aren't sticking around to watch an entire video. So it's mm-hmm. something that you have to be able to communicate what your product is and benefit in the first two seconds. So a good test that I like to do when I'm creating video ads is show it to someone who has never heard of the product. So Mm -hmm. I'll grab a friend, my husband, whoever, and I'll show them the video and I'm like, tell me about the product. Like, what what did you just see? And if they can't tell me that in the first three seconds of watching the video, then I failed because the average video watch time is two seconds. So I have to be able to communicate that really quickly. And a lot of that just comes down to clarity. So Mm. showing like a clear foot, product photo or video at the front of the video, um, the value prop, and then kind of assuming that people aren't going to stick around to watch the whole thing. So I would say it's capturing intrigue and being really clear in the beginning. And then you can expand on like the value props in seconds, like three to 15. Oh, wow. That makes a lot of sense. You like to put the product in the hook like that. And then how do you like to expand more in the, more in the middle of the video after the hook? Yeah, so it's different for every video. So it's like hard to, mm-hmm. um, it's hard to say like, like an exact formula. Mm-hmm. I would say most of my process is like looking at inspiration. So seeing what other brands are doing in the space mm-hmm. or um, not even like direct competitors, but people who I know make really great ads and making like a reiteration off their concepts. So I would say most of what I do is not necessarily like racking my brain for creative ideas. Like I, I like to think I'm creative, but I know that there's people and brands out there who are a lot more creative than me that I can just essentially get inspiration from. So, mm-hmm. and then it's much easier if I can show my designer like, hey, like I want an ad like this. I'll write the copy, like um, what's it called? Problem solution focus, mm-hmm. like the format of the video, like often it's just taking inspiration. I think it's like I commend people who can come up with ideas out of thin air. 
but <laughs> I would say it's much easier to show a designer an ad that you want to like um, have inspiration from and then kind of mm -hmm. make it your own and then you can decide yeah. like what you want to tweak in it but yeah I would say don't reinvent the wheel like look mm -hmm. at other great ads like what are other good brands doing and um, start there yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, that's similar to how we operate, just especially with the designer efficiency, just, hey, this looks cool. Um, let's um, try it this way. You show them the actual file. Yep. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, the best art is steal. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't want to say it's like stealing, but I, know, I, I like call it like getting inspiration. I have Absolutely. had like, I've definitely shot myself in the foot. I posted a really great ad that my designer did for one of my like iPhone clients. Like they sell iPhone cases. And it was really cool. And it like got a ton of retweets on Twitter. And I swear, like I saw 10 different ads the next week of different brands copying the exact same style. And people nice. were even saying them to me. They're like, oh, like we did the exact same style for our brand. And mm -hmm. I'm like, why did I give away the secret sauce? <laughs> like, so it's just funny. Like brands are doing this all the time. Like they see one ad they like, and then they have their designers make another version. So you kind yeah. of have to balance between like don't be an exact copy like the original mm -hmm. and but also like knowing how easy it is to just copy a concept that is cool oh yeah so i'm lucky yeah. my my video designer is really talented and nice. she comes up with a lot of cool and great ideas that i don't have to give any direction for so nice i kind of rely on her to be the creative brain when i don't want to just like copy someone yeah yeah, we have someone like that. Um, one of our senior media buyers, he's brilliant at just thinking of, of original video ideas. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I know what you mean by like, you see us in one niche, going back to that other point, it's funny because I get retargeting ads or ads from different brands in the same niche, like let's say pet food or something. And I see one that's running really well. One brand runs a lot. Then I start to see other brands mimicking that style, same hook and stuff. So nice. this is pretty funny. Another point we want to talk about is, um, this has all been awesome, by the way, this is really cool stuff, but obviously what's on the top of everyone's mind, especially in digital and e-commerce is this COVID-19 situation. So what kind of trends are you seeing in the COVID-19 situation? What do you suggest brands do right now? What are some opportunities? Yeah. So luckily none of my clients are in industries that would be really hard hit, like the travel industry nor do I have clients that would like really succeed during this time, like, like hand sanitizer or essential goods. All my clients are pretty much like non-essentials. And I've seen most of the time, or for most of my clients, ROAS has been either the same as it was previous week or it's been a bit better. Mm -hmm. um, just because like cheaper CPMs, I'm taking advantage of cheaper traffic sources like Snapchat. So we, I haven't been like hard hit at all, luckily with my clients um, for the COVID-19 situation. I think the only thing I'm worried about is like distribution. So like our port's going to be closed, our factory's going to be closed. Like those are things that will affect us that we won't really know until this all plays out in a couple weeks. Um, is there any particular reason why? I think you tweeted something earlier. Uh, I think I even had liked on the tweet. I read it, but if you could elaborate on the podcast, but... What are the reasons why you're seeing ROAS so steady for you while other people see uh, their conversion rates or their ROAS declining? Yeah, so I wish I could point to one reason, and I've really tried. Like, none of my clients are in, like, related industries, different AOVs. Like, some of my products are, like, $10 AOVs. Another one is, like, a $5,000 sofa, mm -hmm. where you would think, like, are people actually buying luxury goods? And that one has done really well this week. Mm -hmm. So... To be honest, like we always are refreshing the creative and the copy each week. And I think that's helped us in general. 
just keeping things really fresh. And then um, also just like having more eyes on the accounts over the last week, being like much more like conservative about like what ads we're keeping on. Yeah. So it, it's hard to pinpoint one thing, but if I was to give one advice, I would say that continual creative testing and keeping your messaging fresh mm-hmm. has been a strategy that's worked well for me. Interesting. Even for us too, like here, we have a lot of kids brands and because we, for some reason, we do a lot of kids products here and for our kids products and kids brands, we're reshifting some of their offers to like, you know, free home workouts, not home workouts, but free um, kids workouts or free printables for kids, for parents. And we have adjusted our ad copy for for teachers, for moms, stay-at-home moms. And like kind of what you're saying, our sales are going up for those products just because people are still looking for that right now. And, yep, our, sure. and our ROAS is still going up and our spend's going up there. So it's obviously depending on the situation, kind of what you said, like we wish we had more kids products now, but um, yeah. right. So, but like, it's Can't still, makes that. yeah, it, it makes sense. And, and sort of stuff like that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Is there any messaging or angles you see working better now? Um, maybe in context with the COVID situation? If it makes sense for the brand, like I would never say like, you are selling phone cases like one of my brands to try to like tie in like COVID-19 like there's a, there's no way to do that without looking like pretty tasteless <laughs> the phone case you know so for some brands I would say like just keep your ads business as usual like test new creative like ideas but like don't try to tie it in like it doesn't make sense whereas mm-hmm. for other brands I work with it makes a lot of sense like you said for kids brands that's a really great opportunity For the sofa brand I'm working with, we're talking about like, now that you're spending more time with your family at home, make your home like the oasis you've always dreamed of, like invest (laughs) in better furniture. Mm -hmm. So for some brands, there's like that really clear connection. But I would say one thing I did with all my ads across brands is just do an audit of making sure that there's no like copy about like getting your friends together or groups of people together or like videos or photos with like groups of people gathering in public. Because mm-hmm. that's going to look pretty tasteless over the next couple of weeks and mm-hmm. not relatable. So that's one thing you can do immediately is just audit your existing creatives and make sure that it's not like a group of friends at a festival using your product. That's just mm-hmm. not relevant at all anymore. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Nice. Yeah, I know there's a lot of work from home angles I'm seeing, especially clothing or even software like Project Man. Like Monday.com has probably my favorite ad. It says how your boss thinks you work from home. It's a guy in a suit, professional. <laughs> And then how I really work from home. And it's a bunch of, I think it's a slideshow of pets sitting on keyboards and stuff. Um, I love that. Yeah, uh, it's <laughs> my favorite ad of this period. But do you want to go into a quick 10-minute brand audit, Kevin? Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, sure. All right. So what we like to do on the podcast is a quick little brand audit. I'll share my screen. I'll send you all. I'll actually drop the links. Um, I just picked the brand right before the podcast started, literally at, uh, I think, 1259. Um, cool. So. I didn't look at it too much. It's just a brand I got an ad for. Uh, I'm going to link you in the chat the ads library and their website. Okay. It's called Bizelle. So, you know, this is just fun to see how their ads are and how... Bizelle. Oh, the, this is the, it's a the vacuum company, right? I think a vacuum and I think vacuum. Uh, I only got ads for something of them. So uh, <laughs> what I'd like to look at first is the ad library because yeah. it gives me an idea of what it would look like to a consumer. So if you see, let's like look through their ads. Um, I like to look through ads libraries a lot. I know you mentioned too. Let's see what kind of trends they have. Um, what's going on. I'm going to go with maybe active ads just to get an idea of testing. 
So let's scroll through. Looks like these just launched today, but some of the ads I saw were much different. These look like maybe retargeting product ads, but I saw some yeah, ads. Yeah, just a lot of product and white. Yeah, super simple looks, um, and it looks like they do have a different, a lot of different products on their store from you know over here. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. If I had to guess, there's a little more top of funnel stuff. And if you're looking at it on your own screen, go ahead and feel free to call out anything you see. But um, my dog loves going on hikes. But if there's one thing she doesn't like, it's the bath that follows. With the new Bissell Bark Bath dual use, I can bring the bath to her. And it's not just good at cleaning her, it's also great at cleaning other mess. Now we're clean and ready for our next adventure. This is like interesting. It's like a dual use product. <laughs> nice. I love yeah. that. Well, yeah, just clicking through some of their ads, I noticed all of them, all the videos are like 10 or 15 seconds. Some are even shorter, like six seconds. Back to the point of like saying your message really clearly and like up front. So I think the way they're doing it is nice. Like you can see the dirty dog, they're cleaning it. Mm. Like there, there is no mystery here. Like you, you know what you're getting into. So yeah, yeah, short and sweet. Yeah, the clarity. Uh, this is the specific ad that caught my attention. This is the one that I got in real life while scrolling. I mean, obviously that hook is... They're like doing a different audience for like their products. It's like, this is like a vacuum company. If you go to like thebissel.com, it's purely like carpet cleaners. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're just like sort of switching their angles to like pets now. So they're probably yeah. trying something new, which is very interesting, like tweak that they're doing to their ad creatives or, whoever, or whoever's running their media buying right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, dogs are so relatable. Yeah. I've seen so many great dog products on Facebook. So it's something that has like really broad reach and people yeah. love watching dog videos. And it's, yeah. I would say even relatable to the times. People are spending a lot more time at home with their dogs mm-hmm. and their carpets. They're probably looking pretty dirty. Oh, um, yeah. So I would say this is pretty even just timely to coronavirus is really focusing on keeping your home clean and Mm-hmm. how to stop your dog from making messes everywhere yeah that makes a lot of sense and i'm scrolling really far down uh, right before this coronavirus situation it looks like they did a few pet ads as if they were maybe just trying it out this pet messes stuff yeah this is february 27th if you see as definitely before this coronavirus thing and it seems like those ads after were really pet focused uh, yeah so really interesting cool to see a brand adapting to some situations yeah, otherwise, either these are just regular ads. I want to go really far, as far back as possible. Just obviously, it seems like they're running a lot of ads. Uh, what I like to see is if, if I see anything that is similar to what we saw in the recent times, that gives me an indicator maybe that was a test that succeeded. So if you're a brand, this is something that you know you can basically, if you're a similar brand, you can definitely try it with a little more confidence. Um, That's a good point. I never thought about that. It takes a lot of the guesswork out of at least some of the hooks. Maybe let's take a look at, uh, I like to hover over, you see if they have some UTMs or something or uh, get an ideas of their funnel, but um, maybe let's click an ad and let's especially click one of the more recent ones and see if there's a certain landing page or funnel or something. I didn't click on the ad that I got. I saved it, uh, but I didn't click the landing page, but probably should have. That'd be cool. I think it was this one. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go ahead and click it. Yeah, sometimes if you could see like if like a top of the funnel ad, because most people label like TOF or MOF or BOF mm-hmm. in their UTM, so that's pretty helpful. Yeah, and even I think sometimes they have, you see some multivariate testing, different headlines or something. Uh, but yeah, it looks like it goes straight to a product page. And you know, here we're on their website a little more. One thing I notice is it doesn't seem as pet focused, which I think is kind of cool. It does say dog grooming as like a, well, I guess it says pet network. Um, but I don't see a lot of visuals of pets and stuff immediately. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting. I'm sure they're testing a lot. They seem like a big brand. Um, yeah. Test everything. So I'm sure there's a method to it. We don't have their data. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering if they, it looks like on the homepage, they went really hard on pets. Um, yeah. Interesting. No, that's, that's smart. This is good. Common sense to social proof. Uh, what do you see at best, maybe further down the funnel beyond ads, what are some of the best practices you suggest brands do, especially if it aligns with creatives, maybe on the branding pages or product pages? Yeah, I would say always make sure that like there's like very clear connection between your ads and the landing page. So you want to make sure that when people get to the landing page, it's an extension of the ad. So they're not ending up on something that's like confusing or um, like widely different value props. Like it wants, it should be like a further explanation of what the story you're trying to tell in your, your ad. So providing like all the information that someone would need in order to make a purchase. That makes a lot of sense. Nice. Savannah, you mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but once again, for the listeners, where can people learn more about you or find you on social media? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. This was such a blast being on here. I think I learned a couple of really great tips from you guys as well. So um, thanks for sharing all the great information about what you guys are seeing. So um, you can find me on Twitter, um, social underscore Savannah, or on my website, thesocialsavannah.com. And then make sure to join my Facebook group as well, um, Facebook ad creatives only. Yeah, and that's a great group. And we'll have links to all of those in the show notes. And Savannah, it's been awesome having you. And we look forward to more activities in, the, in this group. And um, yeah, it's, it's been great. Yeah, thank you guys. All right, thank you, Savannah. It's great to have you. Bye. This week's episode of Digital Marketing Fastlane was brought to you by the performance marketing experts at Voy Media. Join us again next time as we'll be bringing you more tips, techniques, and know-how to make your online business the very best that it can be. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, we'd love to hear them on Twitter at Voy Media. Thank you.